0: and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 56 of Collective Wisdom, which this week is all about meditation and mindfulness. Whether you've never tried meditation before, or you've been practicing this ancient art form for many, many years, I think you'll find what my guest, Will Williams, has to say about the subject very interesting. Will founded Beeja Meditation in London over 10 years ago and has since gone on to build a whole community of people, myself included, who have experienced firsthand the benefits of taking some time out during the day to reset. It's such a simple technique and yet the overall impact is huge. I'm actually recording this intro from the wonderful city of Reykjavik in Iceland as I'm here on a weekend break organised by my lovely friend Kathy. It's been an amazing trip so far. Iceland is such a fascinating landscape full of volcanoes, glaciers and geothermal pools. But it's the people of Iceland who have been so welcoming and hospitable that have made our visit all the more special. I highly recommend it if you get the chance to visit and do drop me a note if you'd like any restaurant recommendations. The food has been amazing. And as ever, I've been reminded of the power of sharing stories to connect us all as I've met some wonderful new friends on this trip. So hello to Joe and Susie and Fiona and Sheila and all the other wonderful ladies who've joined us from Edinburgh. Big, big thank you to Kathy for organising us so well. And thanks to Kat for being the best roomie ever. If you're new to Collective Wisdom, thanks so much for joining us for what I'm sure you'll find is a really inspiring conversation, and one that, if it does prompt you to give meditation a go, might even change your life for the better. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Bija Meditation. Bija is a tailor-made meditation technique just for you. It's a simple, easy, and effective way to relieve stress, expand your horizons, and get out of your head and start listening to the wisdom in your body. Will Williams and his team base their techniques and teaching on powerful ancient wisdom and share them in a friendly, down-to-earth, accessible way that makes it really fun to learn. I took one of their virtual weekend courses last November, and I haven't looked back since. Will really does bring meditation into the modern world so that you can incorporate it into your own life in a way that suits you. He also has so much to share on the science behind meditation and why it really does work. There's a handy app to support you and a whole community of meditators that you can continue to connect with long after you finish the course. And in the complete spirit of generosity that Will brings to everything he does, Bija are offering Collective Wisdom listeners a special 15% discount off any beginner's course using the code GLOBAL15. That's G-L-O-B-A-L-1-5. And you can find a link to Bija, B-E-E-J-A, bijameditation.com in the show notes. Thanks so much to Will and the wonderful team at Beeja for the incredible work they're doing, helping so many people lead a happier, healthier life. So I have a really special guest joining me today. Will Williams is the founder of Beeja Meditation, a company with a mission to create a happier, healthier world by helping people to embrace their full human potential. Will's story is that having discovered meditation for himself over a decade ago, as a way to cure his own debilitating, stress-induced insomnia, he quit his job in the music industry and set off on a quest, or maybe even a pilgrimage, to discover more about this ancient craft from some of the master practitioners around the world. It was a journey that took him to places as far flung as the Himalayan mountains and the Amazonian jungle. Will then wrote a brilliant book called The Effortless Mind, where he brings together the wisdom he discovered from the sages he met along the way on that journey and the science of why it works. On his return to London, he started his own meditation practice centre, Bija, which means seed of happiness in ancient Sanskrit taking his favorite parts from all that he'd learned and teaching it to the thousands of people that have since gone through that practice system so that they too can experience the same soothing and healing effects on their nervous system for themselves. Will is also a great storyteller. I was lucky enough to join one of his weekend courses last November, and as well as being introduced to what are essentially very simple techniques that you can put into practice anytime, anywhere, I learned so much about the human nervous system and the essential role it plays in our overall health and well-being. He's a wealth of knowledge, not just on meditation, but also on the neuroscience and the human psychology that goes behind it. But what I love most about Will's approach is the way he wants to share his gifts so generously and build a community that can benefit from the healing power of meditation. So, Will, a warm, warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you you. so much. I was over the moon when I got your message. You know, I send I send out messages sometimes thinking this is a very busy person. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got a lot going on. And I was just so over the moon to be able to share with my listeners, you know, most of whom are friends. Some of your inspiration and just what you're bringing into the world, which is such a powerful tool to. Take agency over your own health and well being. So, before I, yeah, to dig in, I would just love if you could just share a little bit of that story, because I didn't really hear the full story. It's in your book, but just, yeah. you know, what brought you to meditation in the first place?
1: So, uh, well, it was kind of random in many ways it was certainly a surprise to lots of friends and family when they found out that I was meditating because I was the opposite end of the spectrum I was Mr Party Boy and, and I was really hardcore party boy I remember one of the kind of big lawyers in the music industry was like you're too rock and roll for the music industry I was like really <laughs> some to take it as a compliment <laughs> or as an insult but, oh my um, god I I did really go for it. Um, You know, I was a hard worker and everything else, but, you know, I really let rip. Um, But as fun as it was, and as resilient as one's body is when you're in your 20s, it was taking its toll. And bit by bit, just less and less energy each day. I couldn't sleep. And after about seven years of insomnia, you know, I just... It was so debilitating. I just almost felt like giving up on life, really. Um, but it, I'm, I'm also, a, I'm a very sort of hardy character. And, you know, I don't give up easily. So I did go around and try lots of different things. I didn't really know what was involved in this whole kind of alternative scene. But, of course, there are certain things that are fairly obvious, like hypnotherapy. Well, let's try that. And I went to Harley Street and paid and I watering amount of money to do some hypnotherapy sessions really enjoyed it very insightful the whole regression thing is kind of curious and whatnot um but it didn't solve didn't the work. problem no uh it was i'm sure there was some kind of resolution and healing that took place but it didn't fix the thing that was bothering my life yeah um and I tried, you know, I did a bit of yoga as well. And that was back in the day when it was very much a sort of housewives thing. You yeah, know? Like felt, yoga. no, I was the only bloke in there and I was the only person under the age of 50 in the class. So I felt very kind of out of my comfort zone. But again, I loved the yoga. I vowed to do it, you know, for the rest of my life and subsequently didn't. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, there were all of these other things um, I can't even remember what they were. I mean, the one that really stood out was the colonic irrigation because it was just so thoroughly unpleasant. Um, but anyway, I tried all of these different things. I even went to a um, a kind of meditation center, uh, sort of somewhere in Berkshire. It was like an old manor house thing. And it was full of all shaven head monks and stuff like that. And it just felt very culty. And I was like, and it might not have been, but, you know, I was very averse to anything too weird. So I sort of thought, oh, okay, well, the meditation thing's not going to be right either. And mm. then I got to 28 and I didn't have any more avenues to run down. And I just thought, well, is this it? And I kept hearing from older members of my family because I'm the baby. Um, and, then we were like, oh, yeah, once you get to 40, it's all downhill from there. I was like, Christ, it's already downhill. I'm in my <laughs> 20s. What's it going to be like once I'm north of 40? So I was actually, I was slightly concerned about my long-term future and my long-term ability to have happiness. Um, and then, out partying in Shoreditch one night, I met some dude who was a friend of a friend, and he was like, proper sorted you know he was he was actually a director at apple so he was you know very mm-hmm. successful in his career and he just had the sharpest suit and he just had sort of all the charm and everything and he was just like one of those individuals you meet and it's like basically you know you've cracked it anyway he was banging on and on and on about this meditation it's like look you should do it if you're not sleeping very well definitely mm-hmm. go and do it he said out of my 15 closest friends there's a group of 15 of us 14 of us have done it and basically it's changed our lives all of us and he said several of them were massive insomniacs and they're no longer insomniacs why didn't you give it a go so I thought right okay I like those odds I'll give it a go I was still very disbelieving that it would work because I'd been so disappointed so many times
0: and this was one type of meditation in one particular center or just generally yes. meditation?
1: no no this was one particular thing that they'd all tried and I was like, you know, that I, was, I did my little bit of due diligence. They're not going to be shaved head and robe wearing yeah. on it. And it was like, no, no, they're, they're cool. They're pretty normal. So anyway, I went along and did it, had very low expectations. And honestly, from the very first meditation, I was like, ooh, mm. ooh, that was profound. You know, having obviously sampled so many chemically induced altered states. I was like, that was an altered state, but with no substances cool Wow. and then and then um and then i learned over a few days and i already thought oh this is very promising but let's just see if it does what it says on the tin two weeks later no insomnia four weeks later being you being such a happier kind of human being eight weeks later finishing my day two hours earlier, every single day. I was all, it was, I had a very, very kind of reliable routine, which was I'd have a list of things to do. I'd get through about two thirds of them by eight o'clock in the evening. And then I'd shut down, have my dinner and, you know, crack on. Mm. Now I was getting through the entire list every day by 6 PM. I was like, Oh my God, this is revolutionary. Um, and then there was creativity. I, you know, I, I just found myself feeling so much more creative in every single way. And, and then bit by bit, other things started percolating in my life. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. And then about 10 months in, I went and did a retreat up in Norfolk. And that, I think, was the real game changer because that's when I realized how much was possible. Through this sort of thing. And it's of, what's
0: really interesting for me is so you yeah. just described perfectly this sort of introduction to it. You know, it felt safe because there's somebody that you really admire and and, yeah. and clearly thinks cracked it. So so that's like, oh yeah, well, but that's the sort of influence from somebody that you respect. Yeah. But you you talk about the resistance that you felt getting on that train to Norfolk. It was like, yeah. and it's so funny, isn't it? That we resist things that are actually going to be those breakthrough moments
1: well we do and i think there's a couple of things number one obviously well we are bombarded with advertisers promising us the earth and it never quite working out you know how many times do we are we exposed to adverts that make it look as if we just buy if we buy that one product we're going to suddenly be that really cool guy or girl or we're going to feel fulfilled and content or whatever and it never materializes we have a spike high and then You know, we're back to trying to fill the the hole inside. Um, And then the other aspect of it is we, as I've come to learn, there's a lot of fear inside of us, far more than Mm. we feel comfortable Mm. acknowledging. And we are very rigidly attached to the way we do things we're actually very rigidly attached to what we think is our personality or our identity actually yeah so true and so and we all have self-destructive tendencies and have a striking capacity for self-sabotage uh because actually we all have self-esteem and self-worth issues and so you package all of that up and basically you've got a situation where by doing something that is inviting change, albeit very positive change, feels a bit scary. And we also now exist within a cultural paradigm where it's all about uh, staying in your comfort zone. Mm. You know, if you feel uncomfortable, that's bad. Mm, well, sometimes not, actually. Sometimes it's the discomfort, which can if you, push through the discomfort you sort of break through to the other side and you find actually I'm 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 now free and liberated from all of those things that were holding me back so yeah and and obviously also when I was learning meditation still had loads of baggage about it being all super hippy dippy and, and not relevant to everyday people and I honestly I was going to that retreat I had a basically a massive bag stacked full of food Because I was certain they were going to try and feed me horrible, horrible hippie shit. That you know, lots of lentils. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically all of that. Uh, And I was—I've always been a bit of a fussy eater, I guess, as well. So it was doubly kind of scary. And I was a raging carnivore, so um, it was really quite a scary proposition in terms of where am I going? What are we going to be doing? Who is going to be there? Am I actually going to have? any affinity with any of them what the bloody hell am I going to eat yeah it was it was just all of the fears were there live but the thing had really proved itself to me Mm. and that was enough for me to go do you know what even if I have to go there like not eat any of their horrible food just live off my all those things I've just picked up from Marks and Spencers at the train station and take the techniques and run and never look back. As it happened, I got there. The people were super cool. There was like an Oscar, Oscar winning movie producer there who was double, like he was a super cool guy. Um, there were just loads of lovely, young, hip, kind of cool people. And the food, to my amazement, was double delicious. Wow. And, and, and my body, that was actually quite revolutionary for me because, up until that point, I'd always eaten only junk and only meat. And okay. pretty much having it, uh, I didn't really eat vegetables between the age of three and 29, just onions and red peppers, really. Um, <laughs> That's so, unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I, say I it's unbelievable. away and I was, I, was, I was like, well, the most important thing I took from that weekend was, holy shit, I now, not, I now know what universal love feels like. And big and I now feel like I can unconditionally love everyone all the time and that is I think one of the most if not the most powerful experience any human being can ever have but the secondary to that was wow my body is actually really liking healthy things now and pretty swiftly after that my body just had no desire for the junk stuff anymore it just wanted nutrients and Obviously, one of the things that happens with meditation is it starts triggering all of these virtuous cycles. And you don't even have to think about eating healthily. You just find yourself really loving healthy food and food that is exactly what you need in that very moment, as opposed to what someone on the Internet or in a book has told you you should eat. It's just you find yourself gravitating towards all of these healthy decisions, uh, healthy food, you find yourself gravitating towards healthy decisions and making them without questioning it, without it being an effort, you just find yourself in the groove. And that's what's beautiful about it. And that's why I think meditation is almost like a cornerstone pillar of your toolkit, because if you get that plugged in, everything else sort of takes care of itself without any effort.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean, for me, it's what you're describing is you're listening to your body's inner wisdom and then and then you you're turning that compassion that you know how to love everyone else but you're you're actually turning it in on yourself Absolutely, because that all that junk is not doing your body any good you kind of know that but you still do it and it's the same we all have our vices you know for me it's sauvignon blanc and it's like Uh yeah but you know why does that feel good and 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 it's so true one of the big things that happened to me after i did the november course was for the first time ever i did a dry january and cool. I'm sure that there was an element of that, which was that you're tuning in every day and just asking yourself, you know, what what's important to you? What what do you want? What's, you know, and it, so it's I'd love you to sort of expand a bit more on that, because what you talked about on that weekend course was this bringing consciousness to the the unconscious things that are going on you know, that when you meditate, you're actually getting in touch with your sort of deep
1: subconscious, if you like. That's right. Yeah, well, it's very interesting. Um, there are many layers to our being, it would seem. And also, there are many layers to our brain. So at the very centre of our brain, we've got the core of the brain or the brainstem, or the, what we could call the instinctive brain. Then around that, the middle layer is the emotional brain, and then the outer layer is, I guess, what you could call the sort of rational brain or the intellectual brain. Um, I have a theory that there is also probably a sort of intuitive mechanism as well, but that hasn't been mm, sort proven of sixth by sense.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, even if you just take the, what they call the triune brain, which is, you know, standard stuff, um, there are different levels of us. And One of the things that's happening in our world today is we're sort of all trying to live from our intellectual brain. We're trying to decide what to eat from our intellect. We're trying to decide what our values should be from our intellect and how we, you know, how we are in life through intellect. And the body is just almost this appendage which just sort of takes us from A to B. Um, And there are, you know, there are some really good what traits to the intellectual brain, but it's also quite narrow in its focus, particularly when it's being so hyper-driven by the left hemisphere, which is what most people in the industrialised world have got now. And again, the left hemisphere is brilliant because it's very sort of details-oriented, it's very task-oriented.
0: Very analytical.
1: Very analytical. But it's absolutely, it has no sense of the big picture. Mm. Uh, That's, you know, the right hemisphere has its equal and sort of almost opposite qualities and they balance each other out really well when you are harnessing them together. But when you go very, very left brain, very, very intellectual, then you then lack the emotional intelligence. You lack the connection with yourself. You find yourself actually driven by all of these fears um, and subconscious beliefs about yourself and about life and you have been conditioned by the culture within which you've grown up in and you're almost unable to step out of that conditioned paradigm to then be able to see things in a way that is true for you and so what happens is as you as you meditate you're certainly using our technique because it's We use these mantras, these sounds which you repeat in your mind, which basically act as a transportation vehicle to your very deepest essence, beyond all of the cloud of emotion that you've accumulated through your life, beyond the cloud of the toxic memories and the stresses and the traumas and, you know, the disappointments and everything that's sort of getting in the way of you fully expressing yourself in life in the most wondrous way. You cut straight through that, get to your absolute essential core. And then what happens is, as you become more and more familiarized with that, these, the, the, that cloud of stuff that has accumulated throughout your life just begins to delayer and dissolve. And there is now more and more and more of a, a kind of open channel between your surface level experience and your intellectual level and your deep core level and as you keep doing it day after day that channel just becomes an estuary and eventually just you eventually become completely connected with every part of yourself and through that you're then able to feel so much more connected with everything in life whether it's nature Mm. other human beings or indeed like a sense of connection with the entire universe it all just naturally flows, and you start to realise, oh, this is actually our natural state as human beings. Oh, let me just get rid of WhatsApp; it's never helpful. <laughs> um, and um, this is totally our natural state. And actually, what's become normalised in society now is really just an an unhappy byproduct of industrialization.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it's been such a slow creep phenomena, and it's been so ubiquitous that we don't even know that what is now normal is not actually natural. And that's why so many people are kind of wondering, Is this it? Mm. Because there gets mm-hmm. a certain point in your life when you're young, you're, you're so full of hope about what the future might bring, but after a while, you start to realize, Oh, the future isn't going to be quite as rosy as I might have hoped it would. been going to be, and actually. You know, this feels like a very mixed bag experience. and But there's something inside of you that knows that more must be possible. But most people have run out of of ideas about where that might lie because, you know, they've gone for the career success and that hasn't delivered it. They might have a bank account that's got so many digits on it they don't even know how to spend it anymore. They might have the perfect life partner couldn't be any better You know, what an amazing human being. That's still not actually doing it long term. Yes, in the early days it does. But after a while, there's still something missing. And it's like, you know, you can have power, you can have status, you can, you know, be a social legend. And it's still, there's still a hole there. There's still something missing. And that's because we have basically been deluded into thinking that We need to find the stuff externally to make it Mm. feel complete. And actually the revelation that everybody from ancient times was understood and what I've now come to understand experientially is that answer is inside of you. You just need some kind of tool to help you fully connect with your deepest essence. And once you find that tool and you make use of it, you start flipping the dynamics.
0: So so true, and I think that's what resonated with me so much. I mean, as a coach, I spend a lot of time talking about inner wisdom and that intuition. And once people connect with it, the answers of you know, I'm not here to give you advice. I'm not here. I'm here to help you tap into that. And it's a different way. It's um, it's not through meditation. It's through exploring what's coming up for you. But often, if somebody combines meditation, and then they bring into a coaching session oh, here's what's coming up for me. And then you can start to bring those subconscious things into that conscious space and and take a look at them, unpack them and what's going on here and which of these things that have come up are actually narratives you want to carry forward, which are not helping you, all of that stuff. But I think what I love about the meditation practice that you're introducing, which as you've said, brings in all of the sort of, knowledge and expertise that is thousands of years old
1: yes.
0: is the simplicity. Now, you know, so I, I just want to talk people through. So I signed up for the course. You then give everybody a mantra, which is Sanskrit for mind tool. It is the sort of tool. It's just yeah. this little sound that is personal to you. And what I think was so powerful for me was, I thought meditation was about controlling the mind and the thoughts. And actually it's about just tapping into that sound and letting go of anything else. And so thoughts will still come up and that's fine, but it's the sound that brings you back. So just, if you could just talk us through that, that sort of practice of what it is you're asking people to do.
1: Yeah, well, it's very nuanced and it's funny because I get so many people. Uh, coming along and they're like I want I want to learn to control my mind better and I'm always like do I tell them yet that that's not what we're doing (laughs) because people that seems to be the solution to people's problems to have greater control but actually it's not about having greater control it's about having greater mastery and so that you're able to surf the waves of life, to surf the waves of your mind, of your body, of everything in a very, very masterful way. So in a way, it's, a, it's, it's not dissimilar to martial arts. The, you know, A martial artist is not being taught to be totally in control. What they're being uh, taught to do is to be able to adapt and respond in the most optimal way to absolutely every possible stimuli Mm. so that they can sort of very gracefully almost balletically move you know achieve whatever it is they're attempting to achieve in this case obviously there is a sort of one-to-one uh combat as it were but That's really, it's about learning to be able to surf your way through life rather than control your way through life. Because trying to control everything, number one, it's destined to failure because there are too many variables. Mm. And number two, it's exhausting. And who wants to spend their life exhausted? Um, And I think the third very practical thing is your nervous system is designed to do what it needs to do given what it's being exposed to and given how busy our lives are now given how stimulated our nervous systems are by all of the technology all of the demands of 21st century life like you are not it's going to behave in certain ways that are autonomic which means that you don't actually have any conscious control of them So rather than trying to swim against the tide of life and your body and your nervous system, find ways to harness them and get them into their optimal state so that they work for you rather than against you, and then use the learnings that these ancients have helped pass down from master to student for thousands of years to use that as a platform to then become a master surfer and just be yeah, just be. Ah, I don't know the karate kid of life, I guess. I yeah, but
0: it's and and you know you've touched on the nervous system and how, I mean I, I hadn't really even heard it described as I you know I, I I'd heard the phrase nervous system but I'd never really brought it into close examination that it's yeah. like the sort of motherboard of of the human body which is such a a powerful machine, if you like. It's, it's so nuanced, you know, our metabolism. And, you know, even on your website, there's an A to Z of conditions, sort of modern illnesses, everything yeah. from bulimia to insomnia to diabetes, all of which are impacted by when our nervous system becomes damaged, which yeah. stress is the biggest, you know, you, you described, stress as being the sort of 20th 21st century epidemic yeah it's the stresses that we're bombarded with that damage that nervous system and this going into a meditative state even just 20 minutes a day twice a day is when your nervous system has a chance to repair heal find and, and, and maybe even inspire you to as you say eat healthier foods so it's inspiration that's coming from within it's not like willpower I'm only going to exactly. eat the things yeah
1: it's just so and the, powerful the problem with willpower is it's very difficult to sustain it over the long term you know this is one of the reasons why diets are famously unsuccessful Because you're basically trying to force yourself to not do something that you are feeling internal urges to do. And so you end up having a a very exhausting and kind of self-defeating battle with your food choices. And actually, the research suggests that you will actually end up putting on more weight as a result of trying, which is most unfortunate. But actually, there are ways to really kind of hack your system and get yourself to the point where you're no longer having unhealthy urges or they're infrequent and when they happen, it's okay. You can yeah. indulge yourself because it's fun to indulge yourself from time to time, but it's not fun to indulge yourself all the time. And, and we know that and we kind of feel crap about ourselves when we are overly indulgent. Um, and so there are all, the, the wonderful thing is, you know, we humans have been around for a long, long time. And there were certain ancient cultures, which rather than obsessing about being financially very well off or this, that or the other, their main preoccupation was how can we advance our state of consciousness the most? And so all of the brightest minds in their societies were really dedicated to finding new and innovative ways to advance yourself as a human being the most. And then that got passed down and became, you know, quite extensive bodies of knowledge. And for various historical reasons, we sort of lost touch with that. And we very much ended up going down the more modern, uh, the, the more sort of westernized approach of uh, knowledge and stuff like that. I don't even know if you can even say that we, the Western thing the western culture had a perspective on wisdom certainly the ancient greeks did that's where the term philosophy comes from the love of wisdom Mm, mm. but post greeks we didn't wisdom wasn't a really big feature of our of our sort of priority list anymore and and so we've sort of run further and further down this alleyway and there have been some really positive aspects to it as well but, as a result of that, we lost a lot of the good things that we'd learned already. and I think one of the interesting things about this very moment in time that we now live, cat, is there's almost a reappreciation of maybe some of that ancient stuff, and if we yeah. can combine the best of the ancient with the best of the modern, well now we've got a really, really powerful package. Um, and the nervous system is the motherboard it, it's absolutely the the matrix through which. All external experience filters into you as whatever you are, you experience it via your nervous system. And whatever you are, you express yourself via the nervous system. So you can't really go around the nervous system, it, everything goes through it. And it, I think, in a way, it's quite telling that you, like everybody else, didn't really have much of an appreciation of or understanding of the human nervous system, uh, which tells us that we actually have, we know so little about ourselves and that we understand so little about ourselves. that it's kind of like this thing, Oh yeah, we've got a nervous system, but we're not thinking about it. But if you get your nervous system into optimal condition, that's likely to mean your body is going to be close to optimal position. Mm. Your mind is going to be close to its optimum. And just your entire lived experience is going to be close to optimum. And so let's just get the nervous system rocking and rolling. And then if there's other things we can do on top of that, great. But if we don't address that, well, we're kind of just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic as, as, you know, our ship starts to sink as all of the challenges of, of life get on top of us.
0: Well, even your own story about, you know, so what you're basically saying, I think, is, is say, for example, insomnia, is your nervous system sending out a symptom? Yes. And we can treat it with sleeping tablets or herbal remedies or or we can listen to what that message is, which is probably slow down and get some sleep. (laughs) You know, it's like the the message, the symptom is the thing that's going to, to just stop you in your tracks and go, something's got to give here.
1: Exactly. And it's so interesting the way that the body works, which is exactly that. It's basically, hello, there's something not right here. I'm trying to get your attention. Please address yeah. it. And then, of course, we don't address it. Or we address it by trying to make the symptom go away rather than actually addressing yeah. the root cause. And then, of course, quite often these things grow and grow. Or maybe we, we sort of try and push that symptom back in the box and then other symptoms start rearing up in other places. And so it's it's funny how the body is really just trying to get our attention and trying to sort of help us stay healthy,
0: help ourselves. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but actually we are misreading the signals sometimes very grossly. And and as a result, well, then we start seeking all these various interventions and you know, from increasing numbers of people it's like well okay let's put more and more chemicals inside of our body to try and make the symptoms go away but as a result of that we're becoming more numb Mm. and then when you become more numb you might make the bad go away but you're also making the joy go away so then you sort of end up in that weird no man's land as a human being whereby it just sort of you're on autopilot the whole time and it is very interesting uh, even Harvard medical school came out and said that 90% of all it was either 90% of all illness or all hospitalizations have stress at their core and
0: yes and i've had doctors on on this podcast you know dr jude who's dr mind body soul who's yeah. medical you know she's a, she's a conventional medical practitioner she's moving into finding modalities Uh, because you know just giving so if you come in with a heart attack and stress is the cause yeah no amount of drugs are going to actually change that unless you change what's really causing the stress exactly it's that approach of holistically looking at the whole you know you as a whole person
1: and and this is one of the symptoms funnily enough of of being very left brain and almost everybody within academia and within science is very, very left brain. The most brilliant people are using the whole of their brain and that's why they're able to come up with all of these brilliant new understandings. But the vast majority of it is governed by a very, very left brain filtered understanding of things, which means that we've zeroed in in all of these different silos. And you know we've become ultra specialists in this, that and the other, but without consideration of the overall system uh and so we sort of all got lost in the plot really fixating on the details without understanding the whole and then well and then you get you get
0: you know industries built you know the the pharmaceutical industry is built around profiteering from the solutions that, that come in the form of drugs you know it doesn't really serve us to say well actually the answers a lot of the answers are about identifying the stressor in your life and then dealing with that, listening to your nervous system, allowing yourself the time and space to... Well, you're not a repeat customer
1: then. I mean, no. for us, you know, we teach people and that's it. You're done for life. Unless you want to like, go on a journey of advancement, you're done for life. You walk yeah. off into the sunset, You've, you know, you've had a one-off payment, as it were. Well, that's not a great business model for people <laughs> who want to be rich. What's a great business model is, okay, you need to come back every week and take these pills. And now you're a lifetime customer Mm. and, and it's, yeah, I mean, I try not to be too derogatory about, you know, things like that, but it's almost difficult to not have a fairly pejorative view of the pharmaceutical industry because yes, I'm sure the people working within the industry are, you know, feel hopefully good about the fact that they are doing something positive, but as I was explaining on my retreat this weekend, there are lots of interventions that exist out there. And for a long time now, I've sort of filed them in the low-grade solution, mid-grade solution or high-grade solution. And a lot of the things that are most popular and, or, and most conventional fit in the, in the low-grade category. So they are of benefit to someone who's in, a really, in really poor shape. But to someone who's in good shape, they're actually, I think, quite regressive in many cases. And so for me, I'm always trying to help the people that I work with always land on either wherever there's a high grade solution. Let's go there. And if there isn't a high grade solution, let's go mid grade solution. And I don't think there's hardly ever a call for me to advise anyone that I work with to go with one of the low grade options because they've already sort of outgrown that. and so I, I, and I've come to the conclusion that actually because there are so many of these brilliant high-grade solutions available that do a lot of the hard work, they never fix everything 100%, why don't we make that the sort of line of first resort, as it were, and then if having explored those options, they're not working then we go to the pharmaceuticals and the surgical interventions as last resort, but it's actually what we've got in the world today is go for chemicals and surgery first, and if they don't work, oh shit, okay, well maybe we'll try that sort of weird woo-woo meditation. Yeah, see so like, if Yeah. Just in case, there's a resistance to it
0: for sure, for sure, and w- whatever yeah. the motive for that is, is yeah, whether it's modern science or. the it's all part of our conditioning, I think, as well. You yeah. know, it's what we're trained to to believe in. Correct. Um, and not having any any chance. I mean, you, you quote Einstein as saying, "We can't solve problems from the same state of consciousness as we've created them." And what correct. meditation does is allow you to go into a different state of consciousness. So,
1: correct.
0: Even some of those brilliant, brilliant brains were very aware of this sort of levels of consciousness
1: and how, how the human machine is, is so powerful in itself. It is unbelievably powerful. But until you've had experiences of that, it's hard to even fathom that that level of possibility exists. Mm. Um, but it genuinely does. Uh, and I'm, you know, immensely grateful to Einstein for many of the things that he did and said. But that is my favourite, I think, or one of my favourites. Because it perfectly encapsulates the, the almost paradoxical problem that humanity faces, which is you've got to break out of the rut of where you're at in order to actually come up with the big long-term sustainable solutions. And you can, you can literally apply that to any aspect, any problem that humans are facing, either at the individual level or at the macro level. You know, whether it's the environment, whether it's inequality or, you know, the things that are very much in your own personal life, your, the fact that you seem to have certain patterns and tendencies which don't make you feel very good about yourself, which piss other people off. Maybe there are certain aspects of relationship dynamics which, you know, repeatedly are not the best, well, you're probably not going to come up with a really powerful solution to any of those things, unless you as an individual or for the macro stuff, we as a society elevate our state of consciousness and are able to see the bigger picture, are able to see the interlinkages, are able to identify the roots and are able to identify the, the genuine sustainable solutions for that or even to identify a pathway of progress that will enable us to reach finally a place of sustainable solution because sometimes you need to take iterative steps before yeah. you get to that big place but when we're locked in the same state of consciousness we're so consumed with the problem uh, and we're so we've almost locked ourselves out of big picture thinking, blue sky thinking. And and so we are destined to keep trying to use the same logic to try and solve the same problems. And these, you know, most human conditions have been around for thousands and thousands of years. These are not new things. The context might be different, but the raw emotional truth is very similar. And so... Look, I, it's actually got to the point now. If we don't start doing this in a big way, well, most of us won't be around to no, see, uh, to we're, experience we're the that. natural death. So
0: that that now and i would say to you you know when you said oh my business model isn't that great because i'm sort of treating one person at a time and then they go off and they have they you give them the agency and the and the the tools to heal themselves but what you're yeah. actually doing is creating community and i think that is such an essential part of you know you held a meditation the other day for people who are either feeling the stress and utter distress i mean the real long prolonged Unending stress of seeing scenes coming from Ukraine, yeah. and unimaginable for the actual people in that space. You know, fleeing for their lives, the fear, yeah. the and 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 the neuroscience that you you were describing, which is once those you know we our brains release chemicals that that stop us. You know, the, the frontal cortex stops being able to see that bigger picture. It's it's not it's right. not a an imaginary thing it's a it's a physiological thing it's it's this is what happens in our brain but what you're doing is helping people find those spaces because meditation doesn't always have to happen alone that's the thing I love about it
1: and it's very interesting actually basically I grew up in a little town in Sussex called East Grinstead and East Grinstead is kind of well the town of did a documentary on it when I was younger. Like they called it the cult capital of Europe. Cause like you know, the Scientologists have got their sort of headqu- European headquarters there. So Tom Cruise has been to town many times. Oh, right. And, uh, you know, the Mormons have got their sort of HQ just outside of town. And there's all of these sort of things. And, so maybe um, this
0: was your destiny all along.
1: Well, maybe. <laughs> but what, it, what it did is, it get, you know, of, it gave me a very... Um, I was very sceptical of any form of dogma. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it also made me a bit unsure about how much of the community thing to promote because I didn't want it to become, you know, one of those exclusive clubs. You know, you're either in or you're out. And, Mm. you know, that we all sort of lose ourselves up our own arse, really. Yeah. So I was actually, I resisted, like, building a community for a long time. But bit by bit, I've come to realize that pe- there is a genuine hunger for that. And yeah. that if we teach people well, it will be a very healthy community ra- dynamic rather than a toxic community dynamic. And people love it. And it's really, really, really nice. And I'm, actually, I've just decided to do my first trip, take all my advanced students to India wow and I, I came up with a little 23 day itinerary and i put it out to them and literally every single like to a couple of test groups to see what the appetite was like every single one of them has signed up they're all very excited to like for the community to be going to india rather than their yes. isolation yes. so then i'm gonna do and I'm, I'm about to sort of because there's a load of other people who sort of have reached that level in past years so i've had to go oh we need to do two trips to india back to back so i'm going to put that together later today put that out there and it's just things like that people love coming together we used to run things in camden before the pandemic you know we get like 400 people together in a space and we'd get like top musicians playing and maybe people like jasmine hemsley or madeline Shaw or something would give a talk on nutrition it was just people love it people want to come together in healthy joyful ways actually we took over fabric nightclub for world meditation day because i founded something called world meditation day which ended up becoming a bit of a thing and so we took over fabric and there was a thousand people and we had cool artists like some really cool hip-hop dude called akala came along and headlined and and it was like we all had this Brilliant night of fabric. Everyone's like, oh my god, this is as good as like popping. You're <laughs> so of pills. far
0: away from sitting on a on a rock, you know, with with in, with your head shaved and robes and
1: meditation exactly. being that sort of form. This is just not what I thought of as meditation. This, yeah. No, but that's what we did. I really wanted to sort of turn people's perception of meditation on its head. And you've done And we that. did. And like literally there were a thousand of us kind of partying away in fabric. There was no alcohol involved. There was good, healthy food. Seriously. And we just had an absolutely rocky night. Everyone came away buzzing and there were people, um, you know, outside because there were some cameras there sort of filming them. And they were like, my God, that's the most, that's the best night out I've had in years and blah, blah, blah. And it just goes to show you can actually, hedonism is the pursuit of happiness originally in its Greek form. And you don't have to bosh substances or get intoxicated to pursue happiness. And that for me really is the message Like there is a beauty of
0: that is a, you remember it and B you wake up the next morning, not feeling
1: like you're on a holiday. (laughs) Exactly. You feel better rather than worse. And so for me now having been incredibly hedonistic, the only difference is I'm now holistically hedonistic. I still have fun all the time. Actually, I've come to stay um, for a couple of nights with a friend and it's his birthday tomorrow. I've known him for 25 years and he's like dude you're still just so bouncing with energy and optimism and positivity he's like I just feel really jaded by life these days but you're still that same Mm -hmm. bright spark how do you do it I was like dude you know how I do it it's the meditation
0: yeah yeah and you know I will add that I've just watched you light up that sense of when, when I talked about community and and you just was, Oh yeah, that's it. That's what it is. And BJ is for everyone and your enthusiasm. I mean, enthusiasm, you know, when you put an MRI sort of system onto the brain and, and, and you create enthusiasm, that's what sparks more than love. Actually. I think it's more infectious than, than love.
1: Oh, do you you know where the word uh, enthusiasm comes from? No. So, it's, again, it's a Greek word, and it comes from uh, the phrase entheos, which is basically to be imbued with God. Now, God is obviously a very baggaged term, which I don't like. Well, I can't believe I'm okay. saying, using it. But sort of imbued with a divine spark. Let's put Something it Something bigger way. than you. Yeah, Something bigger than you. And it's a really lovely way to look at that. And it does feel like that. When you're very, very connected, especially, because I think – There is the enthusiasm that comes from the excitement about what your ego might gain from a particular experience or transaction. And that's still really fun, that sort of excited enthusiasm. And then there is the other enthusiasm, which is just a really pure, joyful, this is just brilliant for no other reason than it's brilliant. And I love that. And that is very much how my life is now. It's imbued with enthusiasm. And it doesn't take much to to get me just feeling absolutely bounding with joy for no other reason than life that is possible every single day of life, even when the shit is going down. And I think that might have been one of my biggest learnings, actually, is no matter what's going on externally, it doesn't have to impinge on you so much that you can't still feel an inner glow
0: yeah i think and, that's such a powerful lesson
1: Yeah. so
0: we've talked about you know y- you've obviously overcome the challenge of um your own insomnia your own your own sense of there was a there was a piece missing yeah. in your life what you know what comes to you when you start to think about kindness because you just exude it you know it's your Mm -hmm. kindness and generosity you light up when you start to think about taking those people off to India and and I think what you're in tune with is your own inner mission you know your drive comes from within but has there been an act of kindness that has impacted you
1: what someone 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 doing
0: something that you just I guess it was even the guy who said to you you need to get into meditation or the friends around you who saw when you were struggling that you were looking for something?
1: That's a really, really interesting uh, point. And it is, it is very interesting because when I was younger, I definitely wanted to be kind, but when push came to shove, I was always quite selfish. Like same. I would put number one first. Yeah, same. That has changed. Uh, I can't actually believe the extent to which I'm so happy and delighted to put other people first these days. To the point where I've actually had to slightly rein it back in to make (laughs) sure that there's some balance. Um, And I have experienced so much kindness along the way that I almost don't know where to begin. But I think my favourite acts of kindness are actually those that come from strangers. Oh, yeah. When you know something happens and someone just does something you know like they're just so lovely for no other reason than it's a good thing to do and I've actually I've just spent a year in Colombia because the pandemic was fairly miserable and I, I wanted to maintain a sort of really high joyous sort of sensibility and vibration and share that with people because I am I sort of part of my role is obviously to help Infect people with enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. And so I buzzed off to South America, went to a place in Colombia for two weeks, stayed 10 months. And one of my favourite things was just people there are just kind. Really? for no other reason than being kind. So actually my act of kindness really is just to pretty much everyone within... Medellin in Colombia and the whole of the Antioquia region for just being such lovely, warm, open-hearted human beings the whole time, being so welcoming to strangers. And even though their history is kind of potted with violence and darkness and harshness, Mm. they didn't let them get that down. And they, every single day while I was there, they were showing continual kindnesses, very small, sometimes very big. Nothing was too much trouble. and It was completely spontaneous. It was so human. And I just think that that as a whole piece is worthy of attention and reverence. And I hope maybe some of your listeners feel themselves inspired to go there one day just to yeah. just to experience what it can be like to be part of a culture that where that is just the way it is i mean there are other cultures i've been to in my life and nepal really stands out sri lanka bali as well they're all stellar but because colombia i've only came back a week ago that's so fresh so that's the one that i want to highlight. yeah
0: no that's beautiful beautiful and i love i love that you've put it to the yeah the kindness of strangers always touches my i mean i know when my heart's been touched because i my my eyes leak and um (laughs) And I think the most touching stories are coming out of Ukraine where, you know, people are leaving buggies on the, the bridge so that, that random strangers can just, if they need a buggy, or the, the scenes of um, people getting off those trains in Germany and just people holding up placards saying, I've got a room,
1: space. Oh, yeah. Do you know no. what was really lovely, actually? This was great. So I, funnily enough, I had a friend from... Colombia who was flying back via Kiev and unfortunately her, she had an 8 hour layover in Kiev airport and that's when it shut down wow so she was stuck in Kiev and <clears throat> she was absolutely lost and terrified terrified so uh we her and I were chatting via Instagram whenever she could get signal and so what I did I got in touch with people that I knew community actually a lot of the time yeah and I, who, who were in the big cities all around Europe. And I said, look, I've got a friend in Kiev airport. She's completely lost. She's got no idea how she's going to, um, you know, how she's going to get out. But if she does, she's going to be completely lost. I said, what I want to do to just try and kind of help her feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel is just get her a name, a contact number and address in all of the major cities that she might randomly end up in Oh, you know, yeah. next week, hopefully. And they all came back, they're like, yeah, no problem. She needs to crash for a few days. Or, oh, I've actually, one girl was like, oh, I've moved to Tallinn, but I'm going to get in touch with one of my friends in Bucharest. So, and I just ended up, I was able to send her a list of all of these um, places. So basically, no matter where she ended up in Europe, she was going to be sort of safe and happy. And it really chilled her out. And I was just really stoked that these people just all stepped up. And I think the general response to Ukraine has been unbelievably life-affirming. I'm so pr- It's the first time I've been proud of humanity for a, quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think we ought to be quite proud of ourselves, actually, and give ourselves a pat on the back for coming together and being united. Um, you know, Putin has been, well, I mean, he word. needs to meditate for sure but, uh, yeah he does i would you know uh, there are people like him and trump who god i would love to have <laughs> s- sorted them out a long time ago but yeah you know I, I do try and take the positives from it and at the end of the day putin has been you know an absolute 24 carat wanker here but he it has brought about a hell of a lot of unity yeah,
0: yeah. and
1: you know that is a positive and if we can take that for if we can somehow and obviously the ukrainians unfortunately are having to take the brunt of this but if we collectively can sort of stand up and repel that aggression without it escalating much further and then carry the levels of unity that we've enjoyed as a result of that forward then i think it could ultimately end up being very very positive for the world and hopefully will now be able to pull together and help Ukraine recover from what is obviously an absolute shitstorm. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, so and this is part of what meditation does is it it helps you alchemize as much as is possible and extract the good from the bad. Uh, And if we could all be doing that on a regular basis, then we could co-create an absolutely unbelievably wonderful world together. Yeah, we've got to have we've got to be connected enough that we are able to draw upon those resources, even under times of incredible stress and duress
0: and darkness. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that is your your mission and you're you're achieving it, you know, sometimes one person at a time, sometimes a whole group. But it's it's really it's it's for me, it's been a real source of inspiration and and solace and comfort, you know, because there is no question that seeing all those distressing images is, is super stressful to all of us, you know, and, and, and and that's where meditation, I think comes in most powerfully that it inspires us, even if we can't control the whole thing, those tiny, tiny acts that make such a difference and showing unity are so powerful. So powerful. Now, I love the fact that you are, part of the music industry. And I love sharing music because it's such a universal language. It's also, you know, your whole philosophy around, um, around meditation is based on a sound is, you know, that's, that's the mantra ultimately. So, so talk to me about, yeah, music that means something to you and, and a song that you'd like to add to
1: the playlist. Amazing. Okay. Well, it's interesting because I did like music when I was younger, but it was actually discovering the Beatles when I was 15 that um, changed my life in that regard. And in it, that was the moment when my destiny going into the music industry sort of happened. I would never have gone there without the Beatles. So I think it's going to have to be one of the Beatles selections. And of course, they ended up meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the Beatles, actually. We don't have the Beatles on the playlist. I can't believe it. Really? Well, we're going to change that. So I'm going to go, although the song that changed my life was one called A Day in the Life. It's the last track on Sgt. Pepper. It's just such a magnificent opus, unlike anything else. The song I'm actually going to go for is Across the Universe. It was written by John Lennon in Rishikesh. Mm -hmm. And basically, uh, he was learning a technique that I've just been teaching this weekend actually so he was really kind of in a he was in that elevated state yeah
0: yeah and
1: funnily enough it was always my favorite music lyric of all time and when i was at uni i did this massive thing on the wall with the lyrics printed out on sort of tea stain paper in like calligraphy and stuff um and have a listen to the lyrics because he's basically he's describing the state of wonder and joy that you can experience when you get yourself into that higher state.
0: Incredible. So, so, and it is so, that's so poignant because when I think of the Beatles, I, you know, I do immediately have an image of them going off to India and yeah. they really did explore meditation, partly helped bring it into the mainstream, I guess, because of that, you know, they it's did. still a little bit wacky. It was still a little bit out there. Yeah. But so across the universe. Yeah, I yeah, shall definitely listen to
1: the lyrics with a, a whole yeah. different. And it's funny, whenever I'm sort of, whenever I take a little bit of time out and do a bit of a, you know, spiritual reboot, as it were, I do find myself just wandering around, looking at the, you know, looking at the flowers and listening to the bird song and just singing that song because it's exactly how I feel.
0: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Thank Mm -hmm. you for adding that. That's going to be a brilliant one to listen to. It's not a song I'm familiar with. I'm certainly going through all the Beatles songs that I know, but it's it's nice to have. Yeah. So because they are such an iconic band and I can't believe actually it's, it's interesting that nobody has picked them out so far as being, that's the one piece. Brilliant. Uh, And then wisdom. I mean, you've shared so much wisdom. So I'm so grateful for the wisdom you've shared with me, both through the course, but, you know, the book is is fantastic. Um, And you're constantly putting it out there. You know, you have a newsletter that it's just moments of reflection. Fantastic. But what would you say is the the piece of wisdom that you carry with you to help you through?
1: Hmm. Well, it's... There is one and I'll try and explain it, but it sort of requires it's easier to adopt when you've had a lot of this type of experience and when you understand how the big picture of our life journey kind of fits in. But effectively, we are ultimately the authors of the whole thing in terms of where we're at, who we were born to and, you know, all of the circumstances that befall us, we're either subconsciously attracting them to us or we've actively chosen to kind of have that lived experience in our lives to learn whatever it is that we need to learn. And so really it's about accepting all of the stuff that seems to be negative and working with it, trying to learn from it, never allowing yourself to go into victim mode. Mm. And and also realizing that quite often the things that we think of are harshest and most destructive are quite often things that end up being the best things that ever happened to us. So let that, let's let that, yeah, something along those lines.
0: Yeah. And, and so what I'm hearing is we always have a choice. Yeah. Even in times when we don't see that choice or we have more choices there's more possibility you know sometimes we see it as being black or white is this or that and there's a third door
1: yes and that's the thing so find the tools i guess the ultimate wisdom is find the tools that chime with you to enable you to creatively work with and solve every challenge that ever gets presented to you in your life. And once you find those tools, you'll never look back and you will just keep growing and growing and growing at an accelerated rate. And because you're growing, you will feel really good about yourself day after day, month after month, year after year. And then you will then have such a strong ripple effect on all the people around you that you you will end up just having radiating positivity, wisdom, wisdom, love and good vibes to everyone you interact with. And could you is there anything more wonderful that you could do with your life?
0: Yeah. And interesting that you I mean that's so beautiful. But what you're talking about is a tool that is inside of you. Yes. And it's so accessible and yes. really quite simple to implement.
1: Incredibly really. simple. That's that's the funny thing. So often we try and overcomplicate everything. Yeah, And there's an elegant simplicity to us as humans. And there is an elegant simplicity to the universe. And if we can get beyond all of the noise in our minds and contact that deeper place, we can realize that elegant simplicity and we can embody it.
0: Oh, well, that's just a perfect note to, to just, <laughs> yeah. Put that out into the world. Um, Bija meditation it's spelt b-e-e-j-a and it's meditation for everyone that's the philosophy it yeah. really does work it's a powerful powerful tool and i just like to thank you will for for everything you do really but putting it out there for sharing it for taking what you've learned for taking your own zest for life and enthusiasm from those
1: dark places those
0: challenges that you experienced And turning them into such a force for good—it's amazing to be around.
1: And thanks for giving—you know—giving your time to helping get to share the knowledge out there. Because, you know, it's best—it's best when it grows organically. And you know, there's only so many times I can sort of, you know, tell people how great it is. It's when people like you tell the world how great it is that they'll believe you because, you know you're sort of independent of the thing. So thank well, you. Well, no, I
0: think the secret is, it's not that you're telling us how great it is. You're sharing your story and we're seeing for ourselves. We cool. see ourselves in your story. And that's when we go, maybe I'll give this a try.
1: <laughs> I, this hope might so. work. I hope <laughs> Fantastic. so. Fantastic. Thanks for joining Kat. me. It's been an absolute Cheers.
0: pleasure. Bye Take now. I do hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I am just so grateful to Will for taking the time to join me. And what a great song choice. Take a listen to the lyrics and you may even get a greater understanding of what Will has been talking about. There are links in the show notes that accompany this episode if you'd like to find out more about Will and the work he does at Beeja. And don't forget that generous discount code, GLOBAL15, if you do decide to take up one of their beginner's courses. I'd also like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's contributed to my fundraiser for Choose Love, who are working to help those fleeing Ukraine at the moment. Together, we've raised over two and a half thousand pounds, which is phenomenal. I'm running the London landmarks half marathon in a couple of weeks, and we'll be asking anyone who feels compelled to chip in five pounds as a sponsor. It's been so heartening to hear so many stories of the kindness of strangers in this terrible war, and I really appreciate you for your contribution. Every little really does help, quite literally, so thank you, thank you. And if, like me, you found the onslaught of all this terrible, devastating news so distressing, then perhaps now is a good time to give meditation a go. It's just such a powerful way to help process those heavy emotions of anger and sadness. So thanks again for being part of the way I've chosen to try and do my bit to help